In choosing to do any one thing, you are choosing not to do every other thing. I'd like to welcome Pete Mikaitis to the Productivityist Podcast. Pete, thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks, Mike. It's great to be here. All right. So how to be awesome. Like, how do you, how do you, let's just get into it. First off, the podcast, you know, the podcast, I want you to share for those who aren't, who, who are not familiar with you. Um, I've been on your show. Uh, uh, the, the, yes, ori- the origins of your podcast. I know this is kind of a bit of a rote question, but in some cases it's just like, okay, why in the world would you want to do a podcast that's just so, that that's about, that, that kind of goes down that road. I mean, what was the, what was the impetus to do that? Because now, I mean, it's, it's a popular podcast. I mean, you're, do, you're doing quite well with it. And just give me a bit of the backstory on that, because I always find it fascinating when people who've been doing podcasting for a while got into it, because now it's like the hot button thing that everyone's starting a podcast. Right. Well, yeah, it's funny. I, I guess having a show that's about four years old is, it makes it, me like a veteran. It does. It does. It's amazing. It's and, and the thing is, is that, you know, when people look at it, they're like, oh, you know, I, I really need to get in this podcasting game. It's fairly new. I'm like, I've been podcasting for like a decade. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah. Like, it's it's been a while. Like, it's not new, but it's it's almost, it's becoming, again, people are like, oh, it's in the mainstream. It's still not totally in the mainstream. <laughs> like, it's it's becoming more popular and we're seeing more you know when when mainstream celebrities are starting podcasts and things like that then you know it's it, it's striking a chord but you I mean yeah 4 years ago it's still people were like oh what's a podcast right and i think now we're in that that phase so what kind of led you down that path so especially with the subject matter you you were you you discuss on the show oh oh sure thing well i think that the the sequence of events was i was doing a lot of coaching and, and from that coaching, I had a client say, hey, you know, this is really useful. I'd love for my whole team to know the, the stuff. And, and I said, okay, well, we can probably figure out a trading program. And so we, we collaborated together and, and built out this trading, trading program that's become the Enhanced Thinking and Collaboration Program, which I still do today. And it's, and it's a lot of fun. And so I, I, in building that program, I used a lot of insights I've picked up from some of my favorite books because I read all kinds of stuff like you read and it is just really useful as well as my strategy consulting background and and some of the tools that I share and work on in in coaching and so it all kind of came together in terms of something that would just be useful for you know knowledge workers you know thinking collaborating professionals and it was pretty popular in terms of getting some great results for clients in terms of like real hours saved and ROI delivered and I thought okay well I've, I've I got a product now it's a, a nice broadly applicable setup. So how can I get the world to know about it? And I thought, boy, wouldn't it be fun if I could interview these authors and and experts who know stuff that I just geek out on and in the process, you know, build some audience and serve all of them and, and hopefully sell some of these training programs. Well, I I didn't sell very many of the training programs, (laughs) but we did hit just about, uh, by the time this airs, 10 million downloads. Hooray. Wow. Uh, and so it's it's kind of growing and working in, in unexpected ways financially. But what, what's even more fun is just, boy, the the impact we're making in terms of, of listeners just, you know, getting jobs and promotions and resolving tricky sort of soul-sucking, you know, conflicts and issues at their workplace and, and making that place you spend a, a third or more of your life uh, more enjoyable. So how do you make the podcast a priority? Because you got lots of other things going on. Clearly, when you hit that download spectrum and, and you've been working on it, and, and it kind of is 
evolved to a degree, right? Over the, over the four years, how do you, cause I mean, from my vantage point, you, we've talked about this, like me having a theme day. So we talked about just before we went on the air that I'm recording four interviews today. And today is the day where I focus on listening. So clearly listening to a lot of uh, conversations and listening to, you know, past episodes so I can get them ready for production and all that stuff. How do you, how do you make that a priority? Well, in a way, you know, just the force of accountability that uh, right. there are tens of thousands of people who <laughs> will <laughs> notice, they will in fact notice if the, the show I say that comes out on this regular recurring schedule is not there. So, so that's a big one um, is, is that. And then it's, it's the scheduling, you know, with regard to uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays in the afternoon is sort of when I am usually open for doing interviews. So, so those get scheduled way in advance. And, and I've got some staff, you know, that I'm, I'm, have got accountability toward in terms of they want to need sort of clear uh, guidance and direction in terms of sort of, hey, what's urgent? What are we working on? What's the priority? And it's, it's sort of I would be overcome with guilt if I just said, you know what? Not going to do the show for yeah. a couple months because I'm not feeling it. I mean, uh, that, that wouldn't happen. At the very least, I would plan that in advance and have, you know, content of flowing and maybe a couple strategic replays of greatest hits. You know, you can call them reruns, but, um, but that's been pretty rare. And so, yeah, that, that's the story is that I would but the sheer force of guilt and knowing I'd be disappointing so many people is what keeps me from blowing it off. If I happen to not be in the mood, I, I find a way to get back in the mood. I want to let, let's shift and, and talk about prioritization in general, I think, because I think that's a, what a lot of people focus on time management. They think about, you know, tasks and, and, and schedules and all that, but really, you know, when it boils down to it, um, it's priorities that you have to take advantage or, or the priority. If you want to kind of go down that Craig McEwen, Greg McEwen path of, you know, there's no such thing as more than one priority. I mean, we, we, if you've read, and I know you've read a lot of the stuff that you understand that. Um, one of the things that, 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 you know, I've looked at over the years is this ability to prioritize. And you've got some strategies that you've been able to implement over the years that have helped you with that because, I mean, you've got a lot going on. So to be able to not only have that external accountability of not wanting to let people down, which is the same principle that I really apply at this point. Once you've been doing this long enough, you're like, uh-oh, if I don't put an episode out, something's going to, it, it, there's some integrity and trust and all that stuff can kind of erode. Um, what are some of the tactics that you put in place to kind of make sure that that prioritization is, well, for lack of a better term, a priority? Oh, sure. Well, boy, I think prioritization is so, so critical. I mean, and I think especially for me. So if you've ever taken the strengths finder, mm -hmm. uh, my, my top strengths are ideation and activator, which in a way is a really cool combo in terms of I get all these ideas and then I run after them. And so that's, that's cool in terms of it's, it's unique. It's interesting. It's fun. It's varied. It's dynamic. It's, it's new and, and, and all kinds of things are, are getting birthed into the world. It's not so ideal <laughs> because many of the ideas I have are not worth pursuing. Right. And, and so it, it really does take a reality check to, to, to watch that. And, and I think that's, that's true of, Many domains of life. You know, many of the emails you get are not worth, you know, answering or replying to or, or taking action on. Many of your ideas don't need to be done. Maybe many of, maybe even the the tasks or initiatives that that your boss or you know teammates or colleagues are asking of you uh, ought not to be done or ought not to be done 
you know, today or right away. So, so I am huge on prioritization and, and there's a few tools that I've, I've picked up in my life and, and working with uh, my guests. And, and so I could just, you know, go right into them if you like. Well, let's talk about the one that you, let, let's, let's, let's create a bit of a diversity here and a bit of a, a variable. Let's talk about the one tool that you uncovered or came across through, through either your own research or through, you know, the guests that you've had on your show that you didn't expect that would work as well as it has. Oh, thank you. I like that. I, I'm going to go with uh, episode 80, Jay Papazan, who co-wrote the book of the one thing. Uh, it, it's, he has a question that's just so powerful. And I, and I probably ask it every day. And that is, you know, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. And it, it, it's so, so powerful because we get tons of ideas or I, I do. And then it's like, Oh, but in fact, there's only one thing, you know, that will make all those other things easier or unnecessary. I'm going to do that. And, and then there's all kinds of nice little um, ways that you can, uh, point that with with laser precision, maybe on a particular domain of of activity, and then uh, within that, you could ask it multiple layers to to dig in and and find some some game changers. So so here's an example. I asked that one thing question with regard to to my physical health. You know, I I was getting a little bit of a weight gain dad bod going on with mm -hmm. the the two new kiddos. Yeah, been there. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and so I said, all right, so so what's the one thing I could do such that by doing it, everything else be easier or unnecessary in the the realm of, you know, fitness, health and and weight management. And I thought, well, you know, it'd be it'd be great if I ate more vegetables. Well, hey, what's the one thing I could do that would make that easier? It's like, well, if I could prep a bunch of salad in advance. And it's like, well, what's the one thing that would make that easier? It's like, you know what? It would be finding the perfect salad container for my fridge such that, you know, I don't have to, you know, pull out all the vegetables, make a salad, put all the vegetables back, you know, every time. And so I can rather leverage the, my time by making one bundle of salad for the week and, and then just sort of, you know, top it with, with cheese or croutons or, or, or whatever uh, at the moment of the meal. And that away, I, I am just sort of ready. It's like, oh, hey, there's a salad. It's just going to take you less than one minute to to get that salad put together because it's all pre-made in this bin. So but the, the time I actually spent researching on Amazon and measuring, you know, my fridge and, and seeing what would just be the perfect container has has repaid itself many, many times over in terms of, of time saved and and more vegetables eaten. And I have, in fact, dropped 10 pounds. So success story. <laughs> how did you how did you break the bias surrounding that advice? Because and when I look at some of the other ones that, that are out there regarding, you know, prioritization, people have in their head that, oh, well, no, there's not just one thing. What are you talking about? Like, I can't just focus on that. There's so many things going on. Like there's these um, and I've talked about the app pocket biases before. Uh, and I'll link to it in the show notes, uh, as, as well as all the other links that, that, that are relevant as I usually do when it comes to this podcast. Um, but the biases surrounding that, cause I mean, we're human, right? So there's this, this element of, uh, you, you must from time to time, maybe not as much now because you've, you know, you've got resolve around it, looking at that, that, that question, the one thing, and it, how do you break the biases that can show up that will prevent you from, you know, giving yourself a, um, a credible or even um, substantial answer to that question. Well, that's intriguing. So I guess there's there's one point of resistance is there can't just be one thing. There must be many things. Right, and, right, right. And, and I think for that, or, I can or, appease or, myself. Or just a sidebar, sidebar really quickly, or it's you get caught up 
in the one thing that's not for you. It's for somebody else. Well, I can't just do this for me. There's other people, right? So there's all these little things that poke holes in, in, in that. that. So I just want to throw that in there because there's a few of them, right? Well, I think that in a way, your point is something excellent, which is that with the one thing, you know, that sounds, it's even capitalized. <laughs> capital O, mm -hmm. capital T is like, whoa, this is big. This is momentous. This is ominous. It's sort of irrevocable. And I, I would say to that, that, you know, really it's pretty flexible in terms of, I can come to the conclusion that it's this salad container. And then I might discover that I was mistaken. And so I was like, I hate salad. <laughs> I don't know, maybe, mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and I don't actually use it at all, and I don't eat the salad, and I could say, whoops, you know, if I, if I quote, failed or, or, or made a mistake there, it, it's not super problematic. I could just say, okay, well, I was mistaken there, but hopefully I've learned a couple of things uh, about me and how I operate, and if, if salad isn't the pathway, maybe it's fruit, you know, maybe it's uh, uh, LaCroix or, or carbonated Yep. Uh, Water beverages, you know, that are that are filling without calories, you know, whatever. We can sort of, sort of reduce some of the, the pressure associated with. I've got to nail it perfectly the first time forever, but rather it's like, nope. This is my my leading hypothesis. I'm going to run with it and and see how it goes. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software 
software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. All right, we're going to take a break from this lively conversation, but when we come back, I'm going to ask Pete about the importance of letting go of things, as well as why people are kind of drawn to certain words and and the expectations that come along with those terms and a whole lot more. But first, I want to share with you some messages from this episode's sponsors because sponsors help keep this podcast going and going strong. When running a business, HR issues can kill you wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, and HR manager salaries aren't cheap, an average of $70,000 a year. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small business. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. And from onboarding determinations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day-to-day, all for just $99 a month. Month-to-month, no hidden fees. You can cancel at any time. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance. Let Bambi help. Get your free HR audit today. All you need to do is to go to Bambi.com slash timecrafting right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash timecrafting, spelled BAM to the B-E-E dot com slash timecrafting. Go to Bambi.com slash timecrafting and get that free HR audit today. If you're looking to gain the edge in your career or help you launch a new business, the UCI Division of Continuing Education can help. The UCI Division of Continuing Education has courses and certifications in a wide range of categories from business and leadership to IT, project management, law, human resources, and over 60 convenient certificates and specialized studies programs on campus and online designed for the working professional. Online courses are taught by expert instructors with industry experience, and they offer flexibility and a real immersive online classroom experience where you can even collaborate with your peers. Online courses allow busy working adults to take classes at their own time, and you don't have to drive to campus either. Established in 1962, the UCI Division of Continuing Education has been offering education for adult learners in Orange County for over half a century, and they are ranked among the top 50 universities nationally and rank 10th among all public universities, according to a U.S. News and World Report annual college survey. They maintain over 30,000 enrollments from students worldwide each year and offer hundreds of exciting courses and programs to local, regional, and global constituencies. There are certificate programs and specialized studies programs available. Certificate programs offer an in-depth body of knowledge to ensure you gain mastery of a particular topic. Specialized studies feature shorter, more concentrated curricula for those short on time. Both are distinctive achievements that can help prepare you for career advancement or transition. You can advance your career in as little as six months. Spring registration is now open, so visit ce.uci.edu slash productivityist and enter the promo code TIMECRAFTING for 15% off of one course. That's ce.uci.edu slash productivityist and enter the promo code TIMECRAFTING to get that 15% off of one course. Now, that discount is for almost all of the certificate programs. The exceptions only include coding boot camps, international programs, 
teacher credentialing programs and test prep courses. And this offer is only valid until July 31st, 2020 at 11.59 p.m. So visit ce.uci.edu slash productivityist and enter the promo code TIMECRAFTING to get your 15% discount off of one course today. Now it's time for my Productivityist podcast pick of the week. And this one's a bit of a distraction or diversion from the day-to-day that's going on uh, at any time of year, really. Just something that you can kind of listen to to escape for a little bit. In fact, you can escape to an imaginary world with this podcast because it's called Imaginary Worlds. It's hosted by Eric Malinsky, and Andy Malinsky has been on this program before, and he recommended it to me eons ago. And it's it's really cool. It's a bi-weekly podcast about science fiction and other fantasy genres. Host Eric Malinsky has novelists as guests, screenwriters, comic book artists, filmmakers, and game designers about their craft of creating fictional worlds. I think anytime that you can listen to something that might be outside of the normal business or even productivity-related podcasts, and that's why I like to make these kind of recommendations, it's, it's useful, it's helpful, and it just, uh, you know, offers a bit of an escape from the day-to-day. So I recommend that you listen to the Imaginary Worlds podcast. There's some really great ones that I enjoyed. One was called In Defense of the Star Wars Holiday Special, and I remember watching that. Another is called Making the Good Places Better, and it was about The Good Place, which is one of my favorite sitcoms, TV programs of all time. They even have one called Superheroes in the Ring, which is about Mexican wrestling, and if you've been following me for a while, you know I'm a fan of pro wrestling. So I would recommend that you check out Imaginary Worlds. It's the productivityest podcast pick of the week. And now let's get back to my conversation with Pete Mikaitis here on the Productivityist Podcast. All right, let's dig into some of the other ones that you do. So let's talk about the one, one of the strategies you take on to prioritize that, uh, let's go the other direction that you've tried. So let's, maybe not one of the ones that's worked, that you've tried or that you've heard that didn't work as well for you as you had hoped. Okay, let's see. Well, you know, I've, I've tried a lot of things and I'm going to, I'm thinking about, and it's okay if it's theming your time or mode-based work or any of the stuff related to time crafting. I'm fine with that. <laughs> well, you know, I would say I would. I don't think that this doesn't work, but I, I think that it doesn't work as well as I imagined it to. Right. And that is, you know, some of the the David Allen getting things done methodologies. Uh, I've had him on the show a couple times. I mm-hmm. think he's awesome. Yes. I think the methodology is awesome. And I, if if you're familiar with the system, I am a champ. Hey, so we talked about ideation. I'm a champ at collecting ideas in terms of I will pop open my OmniFocus and, and just get all kinds of ideas you know, put in there. I am not so much a champ at doing the, the processing and organizing, et cetera, because but what I find is that you know what is urgent and important is, is so clearly top of mind that I, I don't really need to, to reference that so often. I might have 800 items in my OmniFocus inbox right now, which which is shameful. That I, uh, and it, but it's it's very useful in the sense that I can recall. Oh wait, I had an idea about this thing. Where is it? Oh, there it is. And so I get to sort of search and find it, as opposed to you know perfectly systematically putting everyone into uh, projects and then uh, with tagging them with with contexts. And and doing all of, of those things, and so I, I do take some time to to process and organize those here and there. Um, but I am far from on the the train of doing a, a weekly review, 
And so, so that's my scoop. That the GTD system it has enriched my life. I am a champ at collecting, and that has been helpful. I have not quite been so much a champ of the the, the processing and organizing to achieve the the perfect mind like water, a sort of a state. All right, let's talk about the effectiveness ratio. Um, by the way, I'm the same same one with GTD. I mean, I've I've got a video. I'll link to it. Like, why, actually, I have a series of posts like why I stopped doing GTD. And uh, I love David. I've had David on the show before. I'll link to link to his uh, episodes as well. But yeah, it's uh, it, it, there are. I think there can be some struggles for some people with it. The review is one of those things for sure that I hear a lot, and I'm sure you do as well. Um, let's talk about the effectiveness ratio, um, the or you know the outcome constraint ratio, because I think that that's something that I, it hasn't been touched on very much on this program, um, and it's something that people get can get really curious about. So can you go into that a bit and how that's helped you with prioritization, especially like to taking prioritization to a whole new level? Oh, oh, sure thing. And and I think in a way, part of this is why the, the processing and organizing of all my ideas doesn't, isn't as necessary because uh, just a few of my ideas are many, many, many times, <laughs> you know, more valuable than the others. And so I run after them and it's okay if, if some of the others are, are left to the wayside for a little while. And so the outcome to constraint ratio or effectiveness ratio, you know, that's what I call it. And just because it, it's so flexible in terms of what could go into this. So I guess I'm thinking about the book Good to Great in which Jim Collins talks about how for different businesses, when they find their appropriate uh, ratios, it makes all the difference in terms of how they can manage and incentivize and, and prioritize, you know, their efforts, you know, based upon those ratios. But I think it matters for, for all sorts of, of life endeavors as well. So in business, I think that's easy. So uh, you, on your numerator, you put, uh, what is it, the outcome that you're interested in? And in business, it's often profit. I would like to earn profit. And then on the denominator, we put the thing that is the the constraint, uh, that which you seem to ha have some trouble and there's never enough of it. And if you had more of it, you could do so much more. And in this instance, it would be time. So I take a look at the the profit per hour associated with with different initiatives. And so I will I will literally have a spreadsheet in which I, I've got all these ideas and I think, hmm, is that worth doing? And so then I, I put things down there and I'd say, hot dog, wouldn't you know it, uh, this initiative appears to be worth maybe $2,000 an hour versus this initiative is worth about $100 an hour. Well, well, heck, I'm going to start with a $2,000 an hour initiative for now. And then maybe if we have time, I might get around to sort of the, the, the lesser value stuff. And so uh, this kind of connects to another tool, the 80-20 the principle. And, and what I think is kind of misapplied about that is it's not just about like, oh, you know, you should prioritize because some things are a little bit more important than others. Well, the 80-20 principle, if you want to dig into the math, actually implies that certain things, those 20% vital few things, are in fact 16 times as important as the trivial many less important things. And, and that has been my own experience. And as I take a look at uh, business initiatives or other things, uh, the, the critical stuff isn't just a smidge more important, but it, it has 16 times the impact as the other stuff. How important do you think it is to let go of certain things? You know, you talked about like the, the relentless capture of ideas and collection of ideas. And with prioritization, in my experience, that you, you, know, you have to be comfortable um, or get comfortable 
with letting go of things, whether it's letting go of them permanently or pushing them off to the wayside uh, for an extended or even temporary period of time, whatever. Uh, how how important do you think that is and how have you been able to get better at that? Because in order to be able to prioritize, you have to be able to get better at that. That's absolutely true. And I'd say it's it's fundamentally essential in terms of, you know, you got a finite number of of hours in the day and we, we all are subject to this constraint and you you can't do it all and then you have to become at some level of peace with that which you're not doing. And what I find super helpful is just when you think about opportunity cost, that implication is in choosing to do any one thing, you are choosing not to do every other thing. That's just sort of what's what's going on there. And, and so I, I think it's very helpful if you think about, you know, what you're saying no to and how there could be a sort of a sense of loss or pain or like, oh, man, I don't know, I, I'm kind of missing out. And but just think about what is the the corresponding yes that you are saying, adopting there. So, for example, I, I think there are, are so many interesting business ideas I might run with and, and play with and, and pursue um, spending some time there. But as, as I imagine, you know, hey, is it worth, you know, my children seeing me almost never? Because mm. that's, that's really what's at stake. I sure. mean, if, if you get very honest with yourself, it's like, okay, to, to pursue all these cool, interesting things, what's the true cost? That's the true cost. Are you okay with that? And and maybe you are, and, and in which case it's like game on, you know. That's, but I think often you'll see that that you're not. And if you've ever experienced that, some regret in terms of you've overcommitted yourself, you know, you're you're exhausted, you're stressed, you're burnt out. You want to just be sleeping and and, and not working or fulfilling all these commitments that you've made, or you are are hurting people because you've overcommitted and you are now putting them in a tight spot because you can't actually deliver on those commitments. I, I think ever just having lived through that a few times, it's really makes it easier to to decline an obligation up front, whether that's to my own self in my mind or to a third party who's making a request of me. So one of the things as we get close to wrapping up that I want to touch on is when we were talking about putting together this episode, uh, you sent me an email and you said, hey, what if we talked about extreme prioritization? And one of the things that, as I was reflecting on it and reviewing it, uh, that term extreme, sometimes I get a little bit of, uh, I wouldn't say my backup about it, that's not the right way to put it, but I get, uh, it throws me off. It's like, you know, the term extreme, even, and I mean, we've heard the term 10x and all that stuff, the stuff that, because, and I get it, it's, it's, there are people that really push for that stuff. Um, I didn't, uh, I didn't want to, we're not titling it extreme prioritization, by the way, anyone who's listening to this, like, well, no, you're not going to No, it's not extreme. Um, what do you think? Why do you think, I'm not saying that you, you think this way, but why do you think that the terms, when we hear those terms, um, especially when we're with relationship to like how to be awesome at your, at your job, the, the terms of extreme, uh, hustle, uh, 10x, like all the, the 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 kind of buzzy words that can show up, which again I think have value and merit in some respects. Why do you think that they've? Wh why do you think people are drawn to them? And then, do you, how do you kind of temper? I wouldn't say temp. Yeah, temper expectations around that because I mean results can vary, right? Yes. Well, you know, I, I'm thinking about the. Is it 
the book uh, Breakthrough Advertising by by Gene Schwartz, which is like a legendary required reading for people in, in the copywriting space. And so it, he talks about how in any with regard to promotion, in a way that's what's happening when you're titling a podcast. Sure, I, mean, like you, you I, want- I, get, I get it. I mean, <laughs> people are not going to be so naive. Like, I mean, let's face it. Like, let's be honest. I mean, how to be awesome at your job is going to get some really good, <laughs> really good results when people are looking for it. Uh, which I think is great. And same thing with extreme, you know, like all that stuff is going to, it definitely lends itself well to that kind of thing for sure. Certainly. So, so I think he sort of explains that, you know, based upon, you know, where a market is in its maturity, there's one point where the, the, the move is to just talk about, Hey, we, this has more of of what you want. This has more Ram, more hard drive space, you know, more gigahertz in a computer, for example, it's like, Ooh, that's what I want is I want more. And so likewise, if, if, so if you're at a place where, Hey, I've tried, my computer's not fast enough. Ooh, well, this one has more, therefore it's good. Or I've tried prioritizing. It didn't get me the results I want. Ooh, well, this one's extreme. So, so in in a way, I, I think that's why there is some, some appeal. And, I, I guess what I was trying to convey more so was just for a matter of clarity, like is it, is it Warren Buffett or, or someone said that the difference between successful people and super successful people is that super successful people say no to almost everything. I think it's, and, I think it's Buffett in some respects. I think you're paraphrasing, but yeah, I mean, he's very, there's that story about the pilot tale and all that stuff, which I'll, I'll link to, I'll find that for people to read in the show notes. And, and I think there's really some truth to that in terms of, you know, you've got a, a zone of genius. There are certain things that are going to be dramatically more uh, helpful and effective for you than than others, you know, maybe 16 times. And, and thusly, it can seem extreme in terms of, I think about some documentary I saw about a plant-based diet. They were discussing the word extreme. And they, someone said, boy, that's, that's a pretty extreme position, don't you think, that only having a plant-based diet? And then their counterpoint was, well, you know, I think what's extreme is all the problems we have with, you know, high blood pressure and cholesterol and all these other things. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, counterpoint, my meat-eating <laughs> tendencies are being challenged. <laughs> and, and so I think that's just sort of thought-provoking on, on what do you consider extreme and why. And, and some people who do, who do CrossFit. Uh, we, we'd say, oh my gosh, that's, that's kind of extreme, but they would say, you know, people who uh, are, are, if we're, we're sitting for eight plus hours a day and, and not, you know, engaging our body in things that's extreme. So well, I guess you got my, my thoughts just sort of running wild in terms of, um, how do you define extreme? What is the connotation of that? But, uh, all I'm really after is, to, I think it's, it's to draw, talks it's, about it. It's to draw attention. It's to like make people go, whoa, hold on. Like I think words, I mean, I'm a bit of a word nerd, right? So like that's one of the reasons why I go down this this rabbit hole a little bit because I think it's those words that that they they um, they can be very polarizing to some people. And so in some cases they, they aren't. But I mean, for me, I mean, it's like the word, okay, I'll give you a great example. Um, productivityist, you know, that, which is a, a total made up portmanteau, which is someone called me that once. And then they, then I kind of adopted it and I thought it was kind of cool. Um, when, uh, someone from Poland emailed me and said, I love your content. I was a little hesitant because the word productivity is in, in our country is still, there's still some association to when we were one of the countries that was in the Eastern Bloc, you know, and, and we had, it was associated with, if you weren't productive enough, then you didn't get what we need, that you weren't, I mean, there was a real negative connotation attached oh, to yeah. it, right? And I never thought of it from that perspective, right? Because productivity, and even in Canada, 
uh, versus the United States, productivity is positioned differently. Like there's, you know, most of the people that listen to this podcast and follow my work are not Canadian. I mean, not just because of a population base, but because they the, the idea of productivity isn't as in my experience, and having done this for a decade, I think I can speak from a position of authority on it. Is they're they're not as um the they're not as driven by it in in a, in a in as much as uh you know in the United States I'm seeing more people that are driven by the idea of oh I want to be more productive in Canada you know again through what I've seen in my and maybe it's the audience that I speak to I don't know but the, there's the the definition of productivity isn't so much personal and maybe self-development or personal development it's more driven by like how much stuff are you making right like the gross domestic like that kind of thing so words words depending on which what perspective you're looking at from them can can have very different reactions and i think that's what you're getting at here too uh, they they certainly do and, and and that is fascinating how you know different you know nations or, mm-hmm. or ethnicities or uh, even sort of subgroups uh, who are, are into things resonate with with words differently, and I, I think as I think about extreme, here's here's what I say is the virtue of extreme, is is I guess I'm thinking about things that are that are bifurcated in terms of like let's just say that there are a hundred things on your to do list, and then you spend the vast majority of your time on four of those things. And then just a smidgen of time, or almost none, on on the rest. Now, if I were to look at that in a in a graphical way, like bar charts or whatever, I'd say that looks kind of extreme. It's like I, those things are really tall there, and then really short almost everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And and I'd say that is often the optimal way to to live in in uh, in terms of identifying what really really matters. And then going with those with gusto, and then doing very little on the others. And I, I think uh, Ramit Sethi of "I Will Teach You to Be Rich." He was actually kind of part of the inspiration for the title "How to Be Awesome at Your Job." Let's just make this extremely clear and direct. This is what this is about: "How to Be Awesome at Your Job," or "I Will Teach You to Be Rich." He talks about how he recommends that people spend lavishly on the things that are, are really important to them and and matter and, and bring them happiness, and to cut ruthlessly or mercilessly on the expenses that don't. And I think that applies well for personal finance, as well as how we're allocating our other resources of life to stuff that matters versus does not. Now we've gone down into this one area where people are like, I want to hear more. I want to hear more. I'm like, sorry, we're wrapping things up. <laughs> Pete, uh, this has been, this has been great. And, uh, you know, I think that there's more, more to be unveiled at some point. And I'd love to have you back on the show of the future. Just dig into this a bit more because even the word awesome to some people can have some, some different meanings and different content. I mean, that's the beauty part about the English language, I think to a degree as well, but, but- yeah, some find it unprofessional. <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> And I'm okay with that. We're rebels over here. We're rogues. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been great. Pete, where can people keep up with you and your work and and make sure that they uh, subscribe? I mean, I've talked about your podcast before, and I think it's a great one. Obviously, I'm going to link to that in the show notes so people can subscribe. But where else can people keep up with you and your work? Oh, oh, thanks for asking. Well, I'd say awesomeatyourjob.com is where everything lives. 
And that's the scoop. I'd recommend it if you do end up listening to the show, check out some of the very first episodes between episodes zero and one. They're labeled A, B, C, D, E, and F. And those are, are some of the, the listener favorites from, from different domains of awesomeness and, and a good way to kind of get oriented and uh, enjoy some of uh, our best stuff right away. Pete, thanks for joining me today on the Productivity is Podcast. Well, thanks, Mike.